How many of you got to be a part of Fallapalooza last Sunday night? Wow, it was a great event. Had uh, over a thousand people here uh, last Sunday night. And I want to say thank you to uh, Allison, our children's director, who helped organize that. Let, yeah, let's give her a hand. She did a great job. Uh, every year she organizes that for us, a great opportunity for us to reach out into our community and to serve our community. And man, it was exciting for me. Uh, most of the time, Joe and I were kind of in one location handing out those bags and candy, but we took a turn, each of us, to kind of make a tour around uh, the facility. And it was just really exciting to see all the people in our faith community serving our local community. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you who were a part of that. And uh, turn with me to, to Psalm 95, all right? Turn to Psalm 95, because uh, we are going to start a new series uh, this week. Uh, four weeks, we're going to look at four different uh, psalms out of the book of Psalms. And uh, so as you're turning there, um, how many of you showed up for church this morning an hour early? Anybody show up an hour early as you, for, you, you fell? So most of us probably uh, have a lot of clocks to change at home this afternoon. Because I'm sure most of you just rely on your phone to let you know what time it is, right? Uh, how many of you still, you, like you went through the house last night and you changed all the clocks last night? Any of you overachievers in here today? All right. How many have a lot of clocks to go change this afternoon? How many of you just wait till next year and it'll be right <laughs> again, okay? So anyways, yesterday morning when I got up, I was thinking about time change. So just a little information about a church and communication. Most churches don't really care too much if you know about time change in the fall. Because if you don't know about time change in the fall, you're just going to show up early. And we're grateful for you to show up early. And some of you are going to show up for like connect group because you've never been here that early. And so usually that information is not as important as when we spring forward. Because if you miss the spring, you're just not going to be here in time for church, right? And so just so you know, we, we don't care if you show up early. It's the late that we don't, you know, we want to help you with. But as I woke up yesterday morning thinking about time change, I, I kind of thought it in, in a reverse order here. Uh, many of you probably set some New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals, and you forgot about those back in February. But I just want to think maybe for, we have nine weeks left in the year. Can you believe that? Nine weeks left in 2019, and then it's 2020, and you got to remember to write the new year, right? But I wonder what, as we think about time change, maybe it's time to change or it's change time. Is there something that, just one little change you can make in the next nine weeks that would make a big difference? Maybe it's uh, to get up a little, 20 minutes earlier and spend time in God's Word. Maybe it's to memorize a verse once a week, or may, let's say it's going to take you three weeks to memorize one verse, and you can memorize three verses by the end of the year. Uh, maybe it's to uh, men to intentionally take your, date, your, your wife out on a date, right? Can I get an amen, ladies? Or maybe men, it's just to, to allow your wife to go Christmas shopping and you keep your kids, right? I can get an amen on that one for sure, right? Now, What's, the, what's one little thing, one little change that you could make to finish out the year strong? Maybe it's make a commitment. I'm going to be in church every Sunday for the next nine weeks. I'm going to make it a priority. And so as we think about change, as we think about this new series, we're going to go through four different 
uh, chapters in Psalms. And so today we're going to be in Psalm 95. Next week, Pastor Dave is going to preach through Psalm uh, 91. So I encourage you to write down, you know, just write down Psalm 91 there in your bulletin. Uh, spend time this week reading back through 95. Also reading Psalm 91 as you prepare for next Sunday. Uh, and then November 17th, we'll be in Psalm 34. And uh, Psalm 34, and then we will also be having a baptism service on the 17th. So if you uh, need to get baptized, uh, go to the church website. There's a, uh, right there on the homepage, there's a way you can let us know. Or just talk to any of the staff pastors. We'd love to, to coordinate you being baptized on the 17th. Uh, and then the 24th, we'll have a special communion service uh, for celebrating Thanksgiving. And then we'll be in Psalm 23 that week. So Psalm 91 next week, then 34, then 23. So let's get to Psalm 95 this morning. Then we're going to take time to read the entire chapter. There's 11 verses here. And then we're going to slowly just walk through the, the book this morning, this chapter. So Psalm 95 verse 1 says this. Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God, the, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are, are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, as a people who go astray in their hearts, they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. And so we see real quickly in, the, in this passage, in this psalm, again, this psalm is written to the nation of Israel. They were the chosen people of God. They were to live in relationship with God. They were so, supposed to live in obedience to God. And as God blessed them through their obedience, the rest of the world would see their God and would want to worship their God. And as if you've studied the nation of Israel much, you know that they failed a lot of times to live in obedience. And so in this passage, really early, we, we get this call to action. We get this call to action. The call is to come into the presence of God. The call is to come into the presence of God and worship. And there's this call to action. There's this call to be a part of, and it uses the word Lord. And when you see that word Lord in, in your text there, all capitalized, what, what it's really saying is Jehovah. The Lord, the creator, the God, the God above all gods is wanting to call you to action. Think about that for a moment. Jehovah, God. As, as this is written to the nation of Israel, he's calling them to action. He's calling them to be into his presence. And as we think about believers today, followers of Christ, when, when God talked about the nation of Israel, he used words like, my chosen people. If you read the book of Ephesians, when it talks about the people of God, now followers of Jesus Christ, we are his chosen people, a royal nation. We are adopted into the family of God. And so what, what the author is saying in this psalm, this call to action to the nation of Israel, also applies to us today as followers of Jesus. This is written to followers. Are we followers? What, what's the call? So there's three things, if you have your bulletin, three really calls to action that I want to point out real quick this morning. Number one, the first one here, is a call 
to rejoice. Call to rejoice. And you notice like four different times right here early in the text. It's this idea of corporate worship. Look what it says in verse 1. Let us come, let us sing to the Lord, Jehovah. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And this is the idea of rejoice. Another word that you might could use or interchange with that is praise. And so what, what the call to action here is, and again in the context here, is in, is in a gathering, in corporate worship. So as, let's put this in context this morning for us. What, what the author is saying to us as followers of God is let us come together and let us rejoice in the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. Now, does this idea of shout joyfully, sing unto the Lord joyfully, you see that word several times in the first few verses, does that lend itself for us to be excited about God or to be, uh, I'm in church again. It, it lends itself to be excited. Do, do you think sometimes when we come together in corporate worship that maybe we're not as excited as we should be? That maybe we're, here's a thought this morning. I believe that corporate worship is not as exciting as it could be because I believe our private worship is not as exciting as it should be. Did did you catch that? I believe that sometimes when we come together corporately, our worship is not as exciting as it could be because our private worship all throughout the work, the week has not been as exciting as it should be. You see, the call is for us to come together and worship, but the understanding is that that worship takes place all week throughout the week. If the only time you listen to Christian music and get in in, in that spirit of worship and cry out to God and raise your hands to God, if the only time you do it is on Sunday together, can I just say that's not enough? Why, does, why is there a call to rejoice? Look at the next few verses. Not only does it tell us to rejoice and to be excited about it, to come together and celebrate God, why should we? Look at verse number three. For the Lord, that's number one reason. We're worshiping the Lord, Jehovah. And what does it say about him? He is, does it say a great God? The great God. The Lord, Jehovah, the great God. Look what it says here. And the the great king above all gods. We serve, we worship, we praise, we rejoice the one God. It goes on to list the creator God. Is there a reason to celebrate the fact that we know and worship the God of all gods? And yet, and and. And I'm throwing myself into the group with you. I'm not sure we rejoice like God really would expect us to rejoice. You, you remember when, uh, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the presence of Jerusalem? And what did David do? If you remember the story, King David danced before the Lord. It's funny because one of the songs we sang this morning, we, we had that word dance in it. And I grew up in a Baptist church. If we would have sang that song 30 years ago, we would have used a different word for dance. We would have interchanged that, right? You, you guys just you would, shake your head, okay? King David danced before the Lord. And, and his wife didn't like it. You're undignified. And you know what King David said? I will be more undignified than this before my Lord. 
And I think sometimes we come together and we, we kind of, hmm, I don't know if someone's going to think about me if I, if I worship the Lord. But, but we'll go tomorrow night and run around our living room like crazy people if the Cowboys throw an interception. Am I wrong? And who deserves more praise? Who deserves more excitement? The God who created me or the sorry, fail me all the time Cowboys? <laughs> they play with my emotions more than anybody. It's the year. No, it's not. It's the year. No, it's not. Can I get an amen to that, right? I, I, I blame my son. My, my son's 22 years old. I said, it's your fault. They haven't been good since you've been born. <laughs> I, he can't be unborn, so I don't know. So we give our emotions to so many things that are no, no value. And we sing a song, and we struggle to clap our hands in worship because someone might be looking. Well, for some of us, it might just be that we're off beat. I get that. But God is saying, let us get together and let's celebrate the creator of the universe, the one who created me to know him and to love him and to pursue him. And the reality is God pursued me. The creator of the universe sent his son to die on the cross for my sins because he loved me that much. Is that something to get excited about this morning? Is that something to get excited about this morning? i got to move on. Rejoice. Why? Because God is the creator. Number two, it's a call not only to rejoice, but it's a call to reverence. So here's the balance that we have to struggle with. So we understand the idea of rejoice is really praise, and that's what the first five verses talk about. We're going to praise, we're going to celebrate, we're going to exalt the name of God. And then it, the, the, the psalm transitions here, and it changes the mood a little bit. So we go from celebratory praise and rejoicing to now a, a spirit of reverence and worship. And, and so you understand, right, we hear that term a lot, and sometimes we relegated praise and worship to 30 minutes of the service when we actually sing. And praise and worship is in all aspects of our life, not just when we stand up here and strum a guitar, but it's the idea of praise is this spirit of celebration, for God is my creator. And, and let's read verse 6 and 7. And again, it shifts from praise to reverence and worship. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is, here's a transition. We go from the God, the creator, the Lord, to what does it say here in verse 7? For he is our God. He is a personal God. Look at the words it continues to describe. He is our God, and, he, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. So one scholar would say it this way, praise means looking up, worship then means bowing down. And so we have to have this balance in church of we're going to praise, we're going to celebrate, we're going to be excited, and then we struggle with, but there's, a, there's this reverence and this worship of who God is. And sometimes those, those lines get a little gray, don't they? And it seems like for a lot of us in Baptist churches, if we're going to err on one side of those, we, we tend to slide over here to the, I'm going to be in reverence and awe and not make any noise. 
But the scripture clearly calls for what? Both. To celebrate, to rejoice, to praise. The mood shifts here, that ominous spirit of reverence and worship. And why? So we understand the praises. Why should we praise God? Because he's our creator. He's the Lord. Why should I worship God? And it transitions to we are the people, the sheep of his pasture. And it makes me think of a verse. Remember what John chapter 10, 10 says. Jesus said, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life, and I have come to give life more abundantly, to give eternal life. And then in verse number 11, what does he say? Jesus talks about the good shepherd, and he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for a sheep. So I'm going to celebrate because God is my creator. I'm going to worship. Why? Because God is my savior. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. So that relationship that was broken because of sin, because we've all sinned, can be restored because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God. No one has a restored relationship with God except through Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep. Now, in verse 2, it talks about coming to his presence with what? Singing and thanksgiving. Are you thankful this morning? How many of you are looking forward to the Thanksgiving meal? How many of you are, look, are, are, how many of you are glad you don't have to cook the Thanksgiving meal? Can I get an amen, right? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? What's the number one thing we have to be thankful for? It's the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask, we have some students over here. You guys want to come on up, those of you who are already prepared. They've been working hard. They're going to lead us in some worship today. And as they do, you probably uh, noticed that you got uh, on your seat this morning this little card. And some of you already figured out it's a sticker, right? So what, what we're going to ask you to do this morning as, as they sing for us, that this is just a time of spirit, a time of worship for you this morning. And, and what does this card say? It simply says, I'm thankful for. Now, you could put one big word on there. Like, I'll be honest, I already saw one of the kids' words, and it was barbecue. <laughs> Can I get an amen for barbecue, right? Hey, that's a great thing to be thankful for. Maybe it's a sentence. You want to write a sentence. I'm thankful that my kids are not in diapers anymore. That's something great to be thankful. That's like a pay raise, right? I'm thankful my kids are in college and not eating all my food. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for a church that points me to Jesus and points me to the cross. I want you to, to just spend some time in spirit of worship and prayer this morning as they sing for us. There's a pen there in the pew. Write something you're thankful for. When we leave church this morning, Okay, uh, when you exit either of those doors out there, there's a display there. There's already some that have been stickers placed on that. And we're going to ask you just to stick that on the wall as you leave out. Now, stick it on the paper, not the wall, okay? And, and it's just a, it's a testimony for us as a church. What are we thankful for? And, and if, if there's no one sitting next to you and you want to grab another sticker, you know, go ahead, right? I'm thankful for God's blessings in my life. Would you pray with me this morning as we enter into a spirit of thankfulness. God, I'm thankful for this morning for students who are brave enough and have the courage enough, who love you enough to stand on this stage and sing praises to you. I'm 
thankful for a church filled with people who have been faithful to you for many years. Lord, I'm thankful this morning for the gift of Jesus. Lord, help us in this moment as we transition from praise into worship that it would be about you, our Savior, our Creator. It's in the powerful and precious name of Jesus that we pray.
Give them a round of applause as they make their way off the stage. What a blessing to hear uh, our students and our, our kids singing. Let's have them be our example to as we worship. Um, last couple weeks, Pastor John has referenced a story in the Bible about the wise man who built his house on the rock, the rock being the rock of God, putting God as our priority in our life. And then there was the foolish man who built his house on the sand. As we sing this new song, and as we have those words of that chorus, that God's praise will ever be on my lips, may our worship lead us to prioritize God in our lives this week. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around you. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are and fill
sing that chorus one more time. God is good, and all the time, turn me back to Psalm 95. Let's finish the rest of the chapter. We see here a call to rejoice, a call to reverence, praise, and worship, and then it transitions at the second part of verse 7. Right. So let's start there in, in, in what would be 7b. Today, could everybody say that with me on the count of three? Could you say today? Ready? One, two, three. Today, today, right? Today, what does it say? If you will hear his voice. See, this call to to worship, this call to rejoice is a call for today. And, And look what he goes on to say. Today, if you will hear his voice, his voice being God's voice, Verse 8, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me. Look what it says in verse 9. They tried me, though they saw my work. We're going to get back to that. You might mark that. Verse number 10. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts. They do not know my way, so I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. And so we understand here as what the author is saying is, Listen, today if you will hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Listen to what God is saying to you. Don't be like, and again, he's writing to the, the nation of Israel. Don't be like your fathers. And he references, remember that the nation of Israel had seen God do some amazing things and he, he watched them bring the plagues upon the nation of Egypt. And because of the plagues, Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. And they left. And remember the story as the nation of Israel is fleeing from the 400 plus years of slavery. And they come to the, the Red Sea and, and they can't cross. And what is behind them Pharaoh had changed his mind, and Pharaoh sends the armies to go after and to destroy the nation of Israel, to bring them back into slavery. And they're there between the sea and the army behind them, and they cry out to God, and God does what? God parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry land. The Egyptian army comes after them. God brings the waters upon them and destroys the Egyptian army and frees the nation of Israel. Can you imagine seeing that? Can you imagine the power of God and watching and observing that and how quickly the nation of Israel, as he references, hardens their hearts and turns from them. So it's this call to respond. Am I going to respond to the voice of God this morning? Today, will you hear the voice of God? And I think for us this morning, there's really two areas where I think that probably most of us fit in one of two categories this morning. Two ways that I think that God is speaking to us this morning in ways that we could respond. 
Okay, so we're going to understand that we're going to praise and we're going to worship, but we're going to respond. We're going to today hear the voice of God. We're not going to harden our hearts. We're going to listen and we're going to respond appropriately. And there's two calls, I think, for all of us that, that one of, uh, we're going to fit in one of these two categories. The first one is a call to salvation. It's a call to salvation. Again, this text is written to the nation of Israel, his chosen people. It applies to us this morning for those who are the sheep of his pasture, those who've placed themselves under God's leadership through faith in Jesus Christ. And so my question for you this morning, have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? The Bible is very clear that all sin and all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible then says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's not through good works. It's not through coming to church. It's not through giving your tithes and offerings. It's through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said. We already quoted John 14, 6. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the way. I am the only way. The only way to get to God is first admit that I'm a sinner and I need God. Admit that I'm a sinner. The second is to believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Believe that Jesus is the only way. Believe that Jesus did come and he died on the cross because he loved you. He wanted to pay the penalty of your sin debt. He was placed into a tomb. And I believe that he came back to life after three days. I admit I'm a sinner and I need God. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And I believe that he is the only way to God. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I confess. I confess my faith in Jesus. I confess of my sins to Jesus. I confess that I can't get to God on my own. That I need Jesus. And my challenge for you this morning is as the psalmist says here in, verse, in this verse today. Today, if you will hear his voice. Today, if you have not ever given your life to Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, I'm begging, I'm pleading. The scripture is asking you today, would you admit, would you believe, and would you confess? And what I want to do this morning, if, if you're sitting here this morning and, and this, this is just ringing true in your head, like today, today is the day. Here's what I want you to do. It's very simple. Right where you're seated, I want you to talk to God about it. And, and I want to lead you through a prayer for you just to talk to God and say, God, really, it's these three things. I'm admitting, I'm believing, I'm confessing. So today, if that's you, today, if you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ to have an eternal home in heaven, forgiveness of sins, a restored relationship with God, your creator, Right where you're at this morning, would, would you pray to God? You would say this this morning. God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I need you. I need Jesus. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I confess my need for God. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you in this moment, today, to be my Savior and to forgive me of my sins. And if you prayed that to the Lord, you know what God says? You are now a child of God. 
You're in the family of God. And when it talks about rejoicing as God, my creator, when it talks about worshiping God, my savior, now he actually is your savior. Isn't that awesome to think about? Now, I think the other response that we probably ought to wrestle with this morning is not only a call to salvation, but a call to surrender. So again, we probably fit in one of these two categories, a call of salvation, and I'm praying that some of you answered that call just a moment ago, but, but the second, and probably for the majority of us in the room this morning, is a call to surrender. You see, this idea of rejoicing is rejoicing and praising our Creator, but the idea of worship is this idea of bowing down before the Lord our Creator. It's, an, it's, a, it's a, a, a picture of submission. It's a picture of surrender. And I, I, wanna, I want you to wrestle with that this morning. Right now, could I describe my life? If I think back through this past week, could I really describe my life as a life that surrendered to God? Because I think we have a tendency to be just like what this chapter is talking about. I think we have a tendency to be just like the nation of Israel, that we see the mighty works of God, we see the power of God, we've experienced it. We, we know what it's like to follow Christ. We, we've seen him change lives. We've seen him change our life. We've experienced it. But I think a lot of times we're just like the nation of Israel and how quickly we turn and lose faith in the faithfulness of God. The question I want you to wrestle with this morning, if you were a follower of Christ, is am I living a life that's completely surrendered to him? We talked about this in our vow series, priority. Is God the number one priority in my life? And if he's not, listen to the words of the psalmist today. Today, will you hear his voice and will respond? God, I'm surrendering everything to you. It's going to stop being about me. It's going to be about we. So that when I show up next Sunday for church, let us come together and sing joyfully. Let us shout to the Lord a new song that I've been doing that all week. And what happens here on Sunday morning is just an overflow of what I've been doing all week. Living a life, surrender to God, rejoicing in who he is, my creator, worshiping him for what he's done. He's my savior. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And I'm gonna ask real quick this morning, is there someone in here this morning I'm praying that there are, that this morning, when, when, I, when I walked you through that prayer, I admit, I believe, I confess that maybe one of you, two of you, three of you, a bunch of you, I don't know, that, that somebody in the audience this morning, you prayed that prayer with me. You gave your life to Christ. If you did that this morning, I just want to pray for you, but I want to celebrate with you. Would you just raise your hand for a moment? Just put your hand up. John, I, I prayed that prayer with you. I, I, I gave my life to Christ. Today was the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. Just put your hand up. Anybody like that this morning? Thank you. One in the stadium. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. If, if you leave it up for a moment, it's, it, it's dark in here. I'm trying to, to catch everyone. Thank you right here on the, the floor. Anyone else? Today, I prayed that prayer. I got, gave my life to Jesus. Anyone else? 
Another one in the stadium. Thank you. All right, you guys can put your hands down. I want to encourage you this morning, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship, a time of response. There's going to be men and women down here at the front. They're going to be facing you. And I would encourage you to just walk forward this morning, shake one of their hands and say, I prayed that prayer. They would love to go over scripture with you, to pray with you, to help you understand the decision you made today. And we want to celebrate with you. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. Would anybody this morning say, John, I I think God's kind of wrestling with me right now about this surrender. Maybe there's some attitudes in my life or things in my life, things I'm doing in my life right now that God is saying, surrender that to me. Would anyone raise their hand this morning? I just want to pray for you, John. That's me. There's some things in my life I need to surrender. God's telling me that today. Just put your hand up. There's actually a lot of you. Just put your hand up. There's some things I need to, I, I need to surrender today. You can put your hand down. I want to encourage you again this morning when we stand, when we sing, to come forward and, and just surrender it all to God. If, if you would like to pray with one of us, we'd be glad to pray for you. If you just want to spend some alone time with God here at the front, just come forward and pray. We're, we're not going to interrupt you. But let's wrestle with the question, is my life completely surrendered to my Creator and my Savior? Have I given an appropriate response? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning, to celebrate who you are. Lord, thank you for these students and, and, and kids who are able to lead us in worship today. Lord, I pray for those that, that raised their hand this morning, that have made a decision to follow you, to give their life to Christ, that you'd give them the courage to, to come tell someone about it. Lord, if there's some still sitting here this morning that need to make that decision, that today they would hear the voice of God, today they would respond. May the many that raised their hand this morning that they need to surrender an area of their life. Lord, I pray that today they would respond. May we surrender all to you today. Would you stand with me this morning? Again, it's just a time of response this morning. If God has spoken to you, it's open for you to come and worship. We're going to sing a familiar song this morning. Well, let's worship together.